In our first Sunday, we, we talked about the church of Ephesus, and we've learned that what Jesus wants in his bride, his church, is a loving relationship. They'd lost their first love, and he said, I want you to renew that first love. And then we looked at uh, the next church, the church of Smyrna, which was a church that was going through extremely difficult times, and yet they were faithful. And Jesus said, I want a faithful relationship. And then we looked at the church of Pergamum, a church that had many good qualities, but they were allowing false doctrine in. And he said, I, I want a church that is true to truth. I want one that believes the right things. And then we looked at the church of Thyatira, another church with some good qualities. At the same time, they, they were not a pure church. They weren't, they weren't actually uh, having the behaviors to line up with their beliefs. And he said, I want a, a church that's a pure church. And then we, uh, we looked next at that church of Sardis, which was a dead church. He said, I want an alive church. I want a passionate church. I want... I want a relationship where, where it's alive and passionate. And um, then we looked last week at the Church of Philadelphia, a very good church. As a matter of fact, uh, you have the notes where it says complaint and commendation. And Alan came up to me afterwards. He said, I think I missed something in the sermon. He said, I, I missed the complaint. And I said, no, you didn't miss it. There was no complaint. <laughs> Went uh, right to the compliments. Sadly, today, we look at the last church, Laodicea, and it's a church that doesn't have any commendation, goes right to the complaint. And it's a church, and a lot of us have heard of this church, that was neither hot nor cold. They were lukewarm, and it was nauseating to the Lord. And we'll look at some applications of what that means. But the Lord Jesus Christ wants a church that's using their resources to serve others, that church of Philadelphia, to share. And if someone has a great relationship with a, a mate like Christ in his church and you're not talking to others about it, they might think, well, what? that person never mentions their mate. Is something wrong? And, um, and then finally today we're looking at this church of Laodicea and we're concluding. We're going to conclude with an interesting invitation, if you're familiar with that. You know, uh, I heard years and years ago this statement. Lord, send a revival and let it begin with me. <laughs> and then I've uh, done this before uh, at some churches where I've taught this series, come to this conclusion. And that's this. These are uh, hula hoops. They're red to represent the blood of Christ. What if at the end of this service you said... Lord, send a revival, let it begin with me, and what we'll do, we're going to have these right here, and then at a song at the end, you'll walk down, and by stepping in it, it's a statement, let that revival begin right here. Let me be the seed that begins that, and then you can step out of it and go back to your seat, but it's a statement between you and the Lord It's easy for me to look out at our country and say, our country needs to turn around. Or to look at our community, look at our church, but never look at ourselves and say, well, what part am I to play? Can I be that mustard seed that begins that? Can I change my own little life and then the world? I've shared with you before I've come to this realization. I can pray about what happens in D.C., 
but I'm not going to answer for what happens in D.C. I better pray about what happens in C.C., Craig Clapper, and I'm going to give an answer for Craig Clapper. So I'm going to invite you at the end of the service during that song to just, between you and God, walk down, step in as your statement between you and God, and then you can step on and go on to your seat. Well, for now, if you turn to our next church, the very final one, the church of Laodicea, and uh, as usual, I'm going to read the passage, and today we've come to Revelation chapter 3 and uh, verse 14. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, we'll walk through this passage and then we'll study it. Chapter 3, verse 14, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot or cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. White garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him, and eat with him, and he with me. And the one who conquers... I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, may God add his blessing to the reading of his word and now the proclamation of it. Thank you. You may be seated. How many here have ever seen Christmas Story with little Ralphie? All right. I, I can't imagine someone not seeing that. And um, who knows what the famous line is in it if he gets his BB gun. Not poke it out. You'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your eye out. And, of course, he breaks his glasses. There's a scene in there where he's in class, and he's written a theme paper and he's handing it in to Miss Shields, and he fantasizes about Miss Shields just going crazy over his theme paper on his uh, Red Ryder BB gun. And he imagines her just getting extremely emotional about it and standing up and writing A+, plus, A+, plus, A+, plus, A+, plus across the board. And he's standing there smiling and embarrassed he has to sit down. And then he's in utter shock. When he gets his theme paper back, because it doesn't say A+. Does anybody remember what it says? C+. C+. 
I expected an A+. Well, quite frankly, I think this church expected A+, A+, A+. And they got a big, fat F. (laughs) Utter shock and awe to this church. And it's a lesson to us. What kind of a grade do we think we would individually get? Are we like Ralphie and we just fantasize, oh, I'm certain, Lord, give me an A+. Now, in Christ, we all get A-pluses, if you know what I mean. In the blood of Christ, God the Father sees us through Christ. But in our daily lives, if he were to give us a report card like he does this church, would we get an A-plus? What kind of a grade would we get? Well, each week we look at what was it like at this particular church? And it says, and this, this one is to the angel, the messenger, to the church in Laodicea, right? We're going to talk a little bit later about what it was like to live in Laodicea. Who's it from? And every time, there's a reason why he gives particular descriptions to himself. It says that the Lord Jesus describes himself in this way. The words of the Amen. Now, believe it or not, the word amen doesn't mean time to eat. <laughs> no, what does it mean? It means that's the truth. <laughs> True. The words of the so be it. The faithful and true witness. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the faithful and I am the true witness of God the Father. If you want to know what God the Father's like, when you've seen me, you've seen him. In the beginning of God's creation. Do you know that there's some cults that use that passage to teach that Jesus is, they, they, that the Trinity's not true, that Jesus was a created being because it says the beginning of God's creation. But this word beginning here in its original language means the originator of, <laughs> the, the originator of God's creation. In Colossians 1, it says this, He is the image of the invisible God, and he is the firstborn of all creation. And that means, again, the the one that leads the way. For by him, all things were created. The Lord Jesus Christ created all things. And then listen to this, and all things were created by him and for him. We're not our own. Jesus is the big bang. He created us, and he created us for himself. We belong to him. He is the amen. He's the faithful and true witness, and he's the beginning of all creation, including us. No compliment directly to the complaint. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now, that's not a nice thing to say. Jesus is saying, you make me so sick, I'm nauseated. I want to spit you out of my mouth. You make me vomit? It's not a nice statement, is it? These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for this church. You make me sick. Now, there are a couple of interpretations of this and the first one is the general one and it's certainly true that he's saying spiritually uh, because you're tepid 
You make me sick like lukewarm water does. You know, I believe the biggest argument I ever saw in my parents was over lukewarm soup. My dad was a, a very uh, just loud, aggressive guy, <laughs> expressive. We were one time in a restaurant, and the waitress brought a bowl of soup. My dad took one sip of it. He goes, hey, hey, waitress, soup's cold. My mom says, Jim, quiet down. I don't like cold soup. <laughs> it's not cold, Jim. It's just lukewarm. I thought we were going to have to lose a restaurant, leave the restaurant. Whenever I think of this, I think of my dad at that restaurant. I don't like lukewarm soup. It makes me sick. Jesus doesn't like lukewarm relationships. Tepid makes him sick. But there's more to this, I believe, than that. And many study Bibles have this in there. I've had the privilege of going to Laodicea twice and studying on site. Here's some pictures. This is, these are the ancient ruins of Laodicea, a wonderful city that was so blessed because it was on the main trade route. They were extremely wealthy. They were 10 miles from that mountain range, which is where Colossae is at, another church. Colossae was known for having the greatest cold, pure water. People talked all about the water up at Colossae, 10 miles away. Six miles away, on the other side, there's another ruins, and that this is Heropolis. Heropolis today is a destination place for anybody with skin disorders because of the hot springs that are in Heropolis. People come from all around the world, have been there, and get in those, and it literally is a place where doctors send people for skin diseases. And they heal up there with these mineral springs of hot, healing waters. Therefore, here's Laodicea on a trade route, a very wealthy banking center, a very blessed uh, place with a, a particular type of soil where a particular type of sheep would graze that had glowing black wool. And they made a lot of money off of it. And even more so, they had a rock called Phrygian stone, which when ground up, made into a powder, was sent around the world for eye salve to bring healing to the eyes. It was a very blessed place uh, to become extremely wealthy. And in the midst of it was a church of the wealthiest of all these churches in Turkey, uh, modern-day Turkey, uh, ancient uh, Galatia. And yet today, these places are known for its wonderful cold water and its hot mineral springs. Matter of fact, at Heropolis, there are multitudes of graves of retired Roman soldiers that moved there for the healing of their wounds and uh, for their aches and pains. However, this is an aqueduct that is in Laodicea. Do you know what it's there for? Because for 10 miles, they had built an aqueduct to bring that cold water to Laodicea. Because with all the blessings, there was something about that place that was really bad. They had really horrible water. You couldn't drink their water. It, it just 
tasted so bad it would make you spit it up if you drank their water. Interesting thing happened. We were out in these ruins, and there was a, a Turkish guy there with a donkey. And he, he uh, came up there, and he was trying to sell us ancient coins. And they looked ancient, but then our guide pulled us over. He said, those are new coins. He fed them to the donkey, and when they come out, then they look ancient. Don't buy those. So we didn't buy any of those coins. But then the guide said to the, the, uh, this guy, and this is just a few years ago, why doesn't anybody live here anymore? And you know what he said? The water's bad. Man, alive. It's like going back 2,000 years into this passage. With all of their blessings, when people came to their town, they couldn't drink their water. So they brought this aqueduct in, but there's a problem. When you bring cold water 10 miles through pipes made out of stone from that area, guess what happened to the water? It now tasted like minerals, and it was lukewarm. So Laodicea was kind of known. Okay, I'm going to Laodicea on a business trip. Whatever you do, bring your own water. (laughs) Can't stand the water. They were known for that as well. Jesus is going to use that to give some illustrations here. And I think what he's saying is this. There is the the tepid uh, application I think is true. But I think the most true one is this. Up in Colossae, they use the resources that God has given to them to give cold water to all those who come through. Over in Heropolis, they use their God-given gifts to serve the world with their hot springs. You are gifted, and you don't serve anybody. You are selfish, independent. You don't use your gifts in that God has given to you to serve other people. I want a serving church. I want a church that uses the resources that I've given to them, the gifts I've given them, to serve other people. In Colossians, it says this, What do you have that's not a gift from God? And if so, if it is a gift from God, why would you boast about a gift? And then the rest of the verse says, You don't realize... And this is the F plus, or F, 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 F. You don't realize that you are wretched, an F. Pitiable, F. Poor, F. Blind, F. Naked, F. <laughs> and this is the church that thought they'd get all A pluses. In Hosea chapter 7, there's this verse. Gray hairs are here and there upon you. And you know it not. (laughs) It's speaking spiritually about this church, or rather Israel at that time. Israel, you have gray hairs, but you don't know it. Meaning you're aging. You're blind to to reality. (laughs) Is there any remedy for this? Any remedy for straight Fs spiritually? Verse 18 I counsel you. Now, let's stop for a moment. Where do you go for counsel? Ann Landers is dead. (laughs) Uh, I did a 
conference last year down uh, in Arizona, and Irma Bombeck's son was there. And I, some of you may remember Irma Bombeck. She was a council-type person in the paper, and I said to him, his name's Andy, I said, Andy, my mom really loved Irma Bombeck. I'm sorry, but I never read her. He said, neither did I. <laughs> you know, it was his mom. You don't want to listen to your mom. I'm going to give you some counsel here. I want you to buy from me. They were always buying and selling. Gold refined in fire so that you may be rich. There's some riches that you don't have. You don't have character. And throughout Scripture, gold refined in fire means character. A person's been tested and come through the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you've been purified through the experience. Um, It says in Peter... When you've been tested, when you've tested me, I I will come forth as gold. That's actually Job. And Peter said, don't be surprised by the fiery trials that will come upon you to refine you. What about buying? How are you going to buy something from God, from Jesus? Isaiah 55 says, come everyone who's thirsty, come to the waters. And you don't have to bring any money. Come. Buy and eat from me, wine and milk, without any price. Now, how can you come and buy without any, want, uh, without any money, without any price? Come so that your soul may live. Soul food is free from God, but you can't buy it elsewhere. Revelation twenty-two seventeen says, Come and let him who's thirsty come and let him who desires take of the water of life without any price. So it's kind of funny, God says, or Jesus said, come and buy from me character, although you can't afford it, you can't buy it, but I'll give it to you if you humble yourself and come and admit your poverty, your spiritual poverty. He said, I'll also give you white garments, not the black wool that they were so proud of. I'm going to give you white garments, which speaks of purity, so that you may clothe yourselves And the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. You are naked spiritually. You're naked of goodness. You're naked of kindness. You're naked of generosity. You're naked of compassion and caring. They had their textile industry there where they took this black wool that was a God's gift centered around the world. And they were very wealthy off of it. But he says, you clothe the world, but you're naked spiritually. And, I, and come to me and buy some salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. These were people that were proud that they sent eye salve around to the whole world for a price. They came out of stones that God had placed right there. But there's nothing said about generosity in this church. It's all, I'm doing just fine. And then it says this in verse 19. Those whom I... Love, and this word love isn't the word agape, which is a divine type of love like God loves me even though he knows me. This word is phileo. Do you know what it means? Those whom I consider friends, those that my heart goes out to, those that I really, really like, (laughs) he's talking to this church and saying, I love you. I love you like a friend like a companion, and that's why I reprove you and discipline you. So be zealous and repent. 
Now, up until now, if you'd have said, does the Lord Jesus Christ love this church? I'd have said, no way. He's just giving straight Fs. But what he's saying, I'm only doing this because I do love you. And this is my form of discipline to those I love. Hebrews 12 says this, if you are without discipline, then you're not a child of God. Therefore, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. If a person doesn't get any correction from a parent, you might think, do they have a parent or do they have a parent that cares? Well, I tell you what, God cares. One reason why I know I'm a Christian is because God has a way of getting my attention. How about you? (laughs) What we need to remember is he's doing this because he loves us like a good parent. He loved them. You know, uh, a couple years ago, it was uh, in October when the corn is up but not harvested yet. There was a, a gentleman that lived a couple of miles from me. He was a horse vet, a young guy, single guy, lived on this farm, and he had a cornfield right behind it. And he had uh, had a, believe it or not, uh, I live in an Amish area, he had a Clydesdale, the Amish have those, horse kick him in the kneecap while he was working on it and just shattered his kneecap. So his leg was all in a brace, and he was at home. And he called me up, and he said, Craig, could you come over to the house and help me with something? I said, sure. So I went over there, and I got there, and again, he's in this brace. And he's out in his yard, and there's a cornfield. And he said, um, listen, he said, I, was, I didn't have anything to do, so I was hitting uh, range balls into the cornfield, and my seven iron flew out of my hand, and it's in the cornfield somewhere. Would you go out there? He said, I can't go in there because of this uh, cast. Uh, Could you go out in my cornfield and find my seven iron? I said, sure. So I went out there. I'm hunting all around. I can't find the thing. And I said, sorry, Russ, I can't. Where did it go? And he tells me. And finally looked up. It was hanging in the corn uh, stalks up there. I said, hey, Russ, I found it. Praise the Lord. He's all excited and everything. I grabbed that thing. It was all rusted out, beat up, looked like. It was, wasn't worth a thing. I come out, he's so excited, he grabs it. Oh, I'm so glad you found my seven iron. I said, Russ, I, I don't mean to be crude here, but I said, you can buy that at Goodwill for 50 cents out of that barrel. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, not this one. My grandpa was very dear to me, and my grandpa died on the golf course with this seven iron in his hand. And then I understood. He loved the golf club because the golf club, because he loved his grandpa. Do you know that as beat up, rusted out as we are, Jesus has gone to great lengths to find us. And he'll clean us up because we're very dear to him. We're dear to his father. And he holds us close to his heart. And he says, as beat up, rusted out as they get, just like this church, that he said, the church makes me sick. It's like people that drink their water. Um, I wish they would just be zealous. The word zealous means boiling over. Be zealous and repent. Five out of the seven churches, he said, repent. It's, It's no different 
than saying I'm going the wrong direction down the road. I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go back the right direction because I've changed my mind about my direction of living. And I'm going to go in the correct direction. And then of all things, this is amazing. He says, behold, verse 20. The word behold, remember, and I've shared this with you. Whenever it says behold, behold. It means stop, think, reflect, get this. You really, really need to get this. Picture this. I, Jesus, stand at the door and knock. He's outside knocking. How humble of him. He's not saying, come knock at my door. He says, listen, I'm knocking at your door. If anyone hears my voice, you hearing him? Voice of his spirit. And opens the door, the handle's on the inside. I'll come in to him, and I'll eat with him, and he with me. You know, I kiddingly say, I'll eat with anybody today that will pay. In that culture, that's not true. You, you only ate with those that you wanted to have fellowship with. And also, there's a particular word used. In that culture, they had a quick breakfast, went to work, had a lunch out in the field, agricultural society, came home, didn't have TV, didn't have electricity, spent a couple hours leisurely eating the evening meal, the sup, as it's called. And, uh, and that's the word that's used here. I'll sit down and, and we'll build a relationship. It won't be rushed. We'll get to know one another. We'll sit down and eat together, is what he's saying. Saying, I want to have a relationship with you. There's a reward, as we've always seen. The one who conquers... All seven churches, it says, if you conquer, if you listen to this, and if you do it, then I'll grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered, and I sat down with my father on his throne. It's going to be kind of crowded there, isn't it? I conquered, I sat down with God the Father on his throne, and I'm going to invite you to come up and sit with us on the throne. I don't know what all that means, but it's good. The response He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What has the Lord said to you in this series on the seven churches of Revelation? They're they're, they're lessons for all churches of all times. It's it's lessons for, for Oakland Drive Christian Church 2021 today. It's also a lesson for all of us today from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that he's saying, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking at your heart's door, your church door, your door. Will you let me in and let's build a close relationship? And um, can we have a life of fellowship together? Philip Yancey, one of my favorite writers, writes in his book, Vanishing Grace, of a survey that was done that was just unbelievable. They surveyed people in nursing homes toward the end of their lives. And they asked them, 
what do you most want to hear in life? What's the deepest longing of your heart to hear? Number one came in this. I love you. I want to hear my friends, my loved ones say, I love you. I desperately want to know that I'm loved. I think probably God too. That one doesn't surprise me. Number two doesn't surprise me either. I want to hear, I forgive you. Because at the end of life, we'll all have a lot of regrets of things we've said or done with family and friends, loved ones. We really long to hear, I forgive you. And I believe we really long to hear that from God, too. Number three really surprised me. (laughs) Number three was this. It's time to eat. (laughs) I laughed, too. I thought, well, if you're elderly in a nursing home, that's about all you have to look forward to each day is eating. And almost like the worst punishment that can ever happen to you in a nursing home is that you're confined to eat in your room, which sadly has been true for the last couple years with COVID. It's almost like a death sentence because they did have this look forward to, to be wheeled down to a table, sit around a table with some other friends, maybe family that come in, and hopefully here, or at least it's expressed by their being there and doing this. I love you. I forgive you. Let's share a meal together. And to one of these churches, Jesus says, one day there's going to be the great marriage supper of the Lamb. And you're my bride. And we're going to have this great meal together. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until that day when I drink it anew with you in what? In my Father's kingdom. That's what we have to look forward to. Wow, I want to be a part of that, do you? So I would say afresh and anew, not to discount my salvation, my baptism, the years that I've walked and fallen down with him. Uh, I want to get in on that. I want this world to change. I want D.C. to change. I want my community to change. I guess I want me to change. Therefore, I step in here and I say, all right, God, start a revival. I'll be the seed to start it, my own little world. So, um, I don't know. Carol, did you have a song for this or not? We don't have to have one. What is it? Okay, will it work? We'll make it work. <laughs> While they're singing the song, this between you and God, but he does ask us to make our uh, decisions before others. I'm going to ask you to do that. I hope that uh, it makes sense to you, and then you go back to your seat. It's basically between you and God, the Holy Spirit, that if he's spoken to you and you want that uh, to be zealous and to repent, begin a new chapter with God. Uh, then I'd ask you to do that while they sing the song.